Welcome to Streaming Unicorn Podcast, where queer folks bring you queer commentary and reviews of the latest movies available from online streaming services. I'm your host today, Alan, and as always, I'm here with your co-hosts, Brooke and Irene. This week, we'll be talking about and reviewing the movie I picked, Boys in the Trees, available on Netflix. Also known as Emo Kids or Emo. Emo. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were so... They were super emo. It's true. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta apologize right off the bat, guys. I've got a cold, so I sound a little bit more Horace than normal. <laughs> Horace. 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 Mm-hmm. You know the sun god. Oh. Okay. This is what he sounds like. Is it? Who knew? Oh, Who I knew? thought you were talking about your sexual endeavors. Horace. Oh, oh damn. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> we're starting this the podcast spicy. <laughs> So, okay, this film is made in Australia, which oh yeah, there was big news this week from, or this in the most recent weeks from Australia, that uh, marriage equality was passed. That's right. That's right. Sorry for that couple that uh, wanted to get divorced if that passed, but, you know, it wah, did. Wah. Insert sad trombone. Into their ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's more like, wah, wah. wah. <laughs> I gotta admit, whenever there's a movie that comes on that's got people with accents, it always takes me a minute mm-hmm. to decipher what's going on. I put sometimes I even put on the closed captioning because my brain doesn't decipher that real well. I guess and once I'm into it, about ten minutes, I'm good. But for a while, I don't know what anybody's saying. Hola, hola, I'll do it, didgeridoo. <laughs> that's all you hear, right? <laughs> exactly, right. Okay, they were not that bad though. You don't think? No. Well, a couple times. I don't know. There's a couple times where. You got a good brain, Irene. I guess I got one of them good brains. You got one of them good brains when they're handing them out. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you out there who have not seen this yet, here's a little summary of the movie. On Halloween night, 1997, two former childhood friends take a stroll down memory lane and face skeletons of the past and fears of the future. This movie was directed and written by Nicholas Verso. The music, which I thought was awesome, was composed by Shinjuku Thief. Ooh, Shinjuku Thief. That's fun to say. It is. And Try it, Irene. Shinjuki Thief. Konnichiwa. Shinjuku Thief. Try it again. Shinjuki Thief. <laughs> There's an I at the end. Gotta, <laughs> gotta catch them all. <laughs> That's not how Alan pronounced it, though. And, that, and I'm, I'm saying Alan is the authority. Well, I mean, it does have a U. At the end, it's all I. Shinjuki Thief. <laughs> what? Maybe it's Alan oh, who was it, wrong this whole time. It was. Shinjuki Thief. Shinjuki Thief. Thank you. You did I, it right, I like Irene. Shinjuku and you better. laughed in my gullet. <laughs> I know. I Now I want to take it and put it up on the fridge and clap at it. Uh. <laughs> it was released in October 20th of 2016 in Australia. And I was just happened, I happened to hear from a friend that it was an awesome movie available on Netflix. So I said, I'm going to go watch this. Ooh, it's kind of our first request then. It kind of is. Excellent. Shout out to Trent. What's up, Trent? Hey, Trent. Does Trent listen to the podcast? Not yet. <sighs> I have I have Heresy. him too. He'll listen to this one because we said his name four times. Right. Trent, five times. What? Trent, Trent. Hey, hey, it's listen a Trent up, party up in here. Up. So this movie was full of a very young cast. It starred Toby Wallace, who is Corey. And uh, he's who I would call the wolf-lamb hybrid, which will become clear as we discuss this. Uh, there's also Gulliver McGrath, who played Jonah, the lamb, and Justin Holborough, who plays Django, the wolf. Holborough. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds like a mouthful, doesn't that it? That sounds like the best cheese you can buy. Yes, I'd like some Holborough cheese. Holborough, or a mouthful of cheese. I'd like a grilled Holborough sandwich. And <laughs> he's, just, he's just out of luck. His last name is Holborough. And his name in the show is Django, which really struck me. Like, did his mother and father just really love the Star Wars prequels or something? Uh, must have. Or they had some change jangling around. So, Django! <laughs> <laughs> you certainly don't identify with Mitzi Ruhlman, then, who played Romany. The Furnace with Dreams and a Plan? Uh-huh. Well, I guess I do. Oh, oh, I've got opinions about Mitzi. We'll miss Romany. We'll get to that later, though. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes of this movie. Okay. Uh, one interesting uh, review that I read about this uh, compared it to a, a mixture of like the coming of age 
parts of Stand By Me with the really weird, messed up stuff of Donnie Darko. Analogy. Pretty good analogy, yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I like that. I don't think it's quite as weird as Donnie Darko, but it definitely is weird. Yeah, it's weird, but I wouldn't say that it's like, it's not horror, it's not scary. No, there was like one jump moment, and I, I it's funny, I was watching this while I was on a plane, <laughs> and uh, everybody else was sleeping. In fact, the guy next to me was snoring real loud, and that there was a jump scare moment, and I was like, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, what? Is it Michael Jackson? What? <laughs> what? Did he dance out of the screen? What? <laughs> I don't know that reference, but I'm really glad you said it. <laughs> I don't know it either. <sighs> the ghost of Michael Jackson jumped out and scared you. How? By dancing out of the screen. <laughs> of course. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... More about these children. Well, right from the start, I I was like, okay, so this is going to start. It's kind of like trick-or-treat, because uh, I expected it to be more of a horror film, and they got the kids out front trick-or-treating, and I thought that the kid was going to walk up and be a jerk to the kids, or the older child was going to walk up and be a jerk to the kids, but nope. No. Those kids were creepy as hell. It's like, I'm here to toll the bell. Yeah. I'm going to make you scared, eerily so. I know, and I thought that was weird, too, because it kind of set the tone for this to be scary. And then it just slowed way down. Well, then we jumped into, like, school time. Right. At okay. The park. So the thing that I found very interesting is the last day of school is Halloween. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I read an interview with the director, and he was saying that often that would happen in Australia, where the last day of school for them would be on Halloween. That's so That'd interesting. I know. Awesome. When do they go to school? But then again, that's the start of summer break, right? Because it's Australia. Right. Oh, well, I guess that's true. Yeah. Man, that just blew my own they mind. Have hot, they have hot Christmas. I don't know why I thought you were going to say hot fries. No. I was like, they have hot fries too. Hot Christmas. They I might. gave you some shorts. <laughs> the very next day, they melted away. <laughs> I, can't. What? I don't even I don't know. know. I don't even know. So when the kids are all hanging out, one of them calls the other one faggot. And I thought, uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of luck in Chucky. Uh, hope, hopefully this isn't the only queer thing in this movie. And turns out I wasn't that disappointed. <laughs> no. There was a lot of queerness in this movie. Irene looks confused. I know, she does. Did I miss a gay character like you did last time? Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk to that we'll when talk. we get to it. We'll get there. I thought it was funny too when they went inside. Because they had like, trademark standard <clears throat> dad. You know? <laughs> he, was, he was the stereotype of every father. He's like, Oh, I can't make the printer work. You'll never make money at photography. Let's go camping. Everybody wants some s'mores. But you know what? If my friends came in and went to the liquor cabinet and started raiding it, I'd have got my ass beat. And he just sat there like, okay. I had two of my favorite quotes in this movie. One of them came up right now. When he told, um, uh, Corey told uh, Blondie Bear. I can't remember his name. Oh, Django. (laughs) I'm going to call Django Blondie Bear. So Corey told, um, is it Corey or Cole? What is Corey. it? Corey. Corey. Corey told Blondie Bear uh, not to get his panties in a twist. And he said, my panties are fine, fuck knuckle. Oh, shit. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I think it's also weird. This must be a thing they do in Australia. Everybody goes to create mischief during the day. What is with these daylight shenanigans? I don't know. I you do thought, that stuff at night. I thought most of it was at night. Yeah. No, if you do it in the day, then the people can come out on the lawn and be like, get off my lawn! Don't steal my shenan- cover! I think they were just doing shenanigans at... The little boy's house, where they threw the dead bird. Oh, the dead bird shenanigans. Oh, that was so gross. I think it was bullying rather than mischief shenanigans for Halloween. Is there a difference? I think that was more just a display of Django trying to, like, bring Corey back into the fold of the wolves. And because, you know, he was kind of talking about his dreams, going off to college. And, you know, that kind of, like, scared him for some reason. It made him think, oh, well, he's not going to be part of this little group anymore. He's going to go off and be better than us. Yeah, so he goes and he picks on this kid, and that's kind of like the group. It's like, hey, join in uh, doing this, and you're, you're still one of us. Yeah, unfortunately, picking on somebody else it does bring a group of people together. That is true. Sad, but true. So you can tell this is an indie film because of the obligatory montages that go on for way too long, right? It's just like, here's everybody skating. <laughs> shot after shot after shot after shot after shot. Look, they're doing shenanigans. Look, they're at a fire pit. Let's get a shot of them laughing. Let's get a shot of them looking at the fire. Let's get a shot of somebody whispering in someone's ear and they go, hee 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 hee. But the music was good. 
The music was good, but I just, I just don't I, oh, I just don't like these long montages. It was a little long. They're also kind of setting this. I guess they're trying to set the atmosphere that they're in. I mean, that's how I kind of was taking all these montages. Like, here's your typical everyday Australian town. Apparently, all these kids do this stuff on graduation day. Hey, let's go blow off some steam at the park. Hey, let's pick on somebody, take their photo, and have it endear them to our main character. I don't know. I thought he was a dick. Who? Who? Corey? Blondie Yeah. Man? Oh, Corey? Yeah. He's Why? Going along, because he's going along <clears throat> with all these things, picking on this kid, and... But he... I think he was struggling with it, though. Yeah, you could tell he was in conflict with, like, a lot of people can remember being in that spot where it's like, oh, these people that I think are cool are trying to do this thing. I don't think it's right. I'm kind of doing it. I'm kind of not. Yeah. But I think it was a little much plastering that kid's photo all over town after you got punched in the face. Now, I will say, he did not like that happening. I mean, you could tell... But he did go along with it. At first, well, but you but you still could tell. I mean, oh, yes, yeah, he, he definitely did. Like he did it. kind of follow in and sort of for a while because he was. I think he was like trying to make himself get right with that mentality that Django had. Yeah, like he did these stupid things like throwing the bird and helping put up the pictures, but you could tell it bothered him. It was just a clear conflict within him. No, I don't know. I just feel like <clears throat> is that not redeeming enough for you, or I guess. When we want to, if we want to show growth of the character, he's like, oh, I was this asshole. And at the end, he's like, ah, I regret life. What? <laughs> I regret life. life. <laughs> well, he made a lot of bad decisions, I feel. Yeah, he did. Okay, so you have all of this. He's going through that. You're seeing your montages. You're getting your feel for things. And then it kind of cuts to Jonas walking around like a little pond with a bottle of alcohol. Jonah. I know. And I even she said to him, Jonah. I was... In the quiet of the plane, I was like, Jonah, don't do it, you fool! Yeah, tripping over rocks. Now, eventually, he drops his bottle, mm-hmm. so you can tell he's kind of wasted. And it kind of leads you to think, something's probably going to happen. Yeah. I don't know exactly what. That's definitely definitely felt like some foreshadowing. Also made me think of Elliot from E.T. and his little red hoodie. I thought so, too. Yeah, I thought the I same thing. That, yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Is he going to ride across the moon? <laughs> M-O-O-N. That's and in this moon. film, by the time we get to the end of it, he could have. He could. could that would have been pretty pretty in the world of the film. That's true. I mean, there was a lot of going here and there and everywhere and not knowing what the they, hell's going on. I, they were never going to make it home. Cause I will say that was the longest street that you could ever possibly walk. That apparently like went back and forth to the same places. They were only allowed to shoot in like a four block radius. This is what you got. Make it work. Just make it work. So, I mean, eventually it becomes nighttime, and they're all hanging out. He's getting irritated with Django and his, like, pompousness. Yeah, and this was one of those moments where I was like, Cole, come on. Because the, uh, the girl, what's her name? Romany. Romany was clearly flirting with him. And then he was trying to say he was looking for bitches to have sex with. And it's like, dude, that's not how you do it. No, you... Apparently that is how a lot of people do it. Like, that's how a lot of people think it works. If, you know, my dating experience is any example of that. It's like, hey, we're getting to know each other a little bit. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for some bitches to fuck. Well. Well. It's not going to be this one. No, sorry. (laughs) So I guess that was a real life example of what happens to, has happened to me online at least. Uh, But I was so disappointed in him. Because you want more than that. You can tell he's going to be the main character. And here he is being a complete douchebag and an idiot. And I think this scene really set up for me, see if I was alone in this, the queerness. Because when Cole is like, oh, I'm tired of all your crap, and he leaves. Oh, Corey. I've got the wrong thing in my notes through this whole thing. (laughs) Just Cole is Corey. Corey is Cole. (laughs) (laughs) So our friend Corcor, he's like, oh, I'm tired of all your crap, Jenga Fett. Quit firing off your... (laughs) Backpack rockets at me. That would have been such a better movie. <laughs> it would have. So he leaves, and oh, Blondie Bear, I think he's really depressed. Uh, I get the feeling that Blondie Bear is actually gay as fuck uh, for uh, Corey. That's funny. That's actually my what if. Really? You breached the what if. No, I totally got that feeling. I felt like Blondie Bear, through this whole thing, was really uh, struggling with gayness and these gay feelings. And Cole kept trying to hook up with that girl and trying to. Um, not be part of their group and Corey he like it's for me what his reaction was more than just I really think you're cool and I want you in my group it really felt intimate especially when they were in the uh, convenience store that comes up later I mean am I alone in this 
Um, no, I, like I said. No, I can totally see that. Um, <laughs> I did not take that from their experiences. I didn't take that from what I saw, mostly because I've been around dudes and douchebags most of my life. And they're just, just super broing. And he is losing his bro. I think they get they get similarly jealous, though, about their, their boys. I was saying, I actually thought Django, when he, when he tried to do the toke with Mitzi... Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, Romney, he—I uh, thought he was trying to make him jealous. It's like, oh look, oh, I've got this person over here. I'm going to try and make you jealous for me, which ended up just pissing him off either way. Yeah, it did. So it's right about now that little ghost kid Jonas shows up, right? At the skateboard rink. Yeah, and I thought it was obvious that they were buds. <clears throat> I, I felt like that was pretty heavy-handed. That I would have liked to for that to have been revealed. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was very clear that they had been buds and uh, they were broken up. I found that it was very clear that he was dead. One, because... <laughs> Stop! <laughs> it was very clear he was dead. Like, he just drank half a bottle of Jack. Couldn't walk, but he was skating like a motherfucker all over that place. Just okay. I was like, that dude's dead. Yeah, dead. But he cracked his head, and it bled. So I was like, oh. You're a poet and didn't know it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you think he... He died when he cracked his head. At the time that I was watching it, I kind of thought maybe he had died at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe, okay, he was drunk, he left, he walked over there, skateboarded, cracked his head, and it killed him. But then from that point forward, he was like a dead ghost, a zombie, something. Yeah, however you cut it, I think it was pretty clear. I mean, that's another thing. This this movie was so heavy-handed with these things. These these could have been really interesting uh, plot developments, but they made it too clear. He was super drunk, and then suddenly he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was Tony Hawk, just all over the skateboard. Little ghost Tony. <laughs> Little ghost Tony, and I was just like, "What?" Um, but I thought maybe he, when he cracked his head, is when he fell into the water. I can see that when when you know that he was in yeah, the water. Yeah, when you know. But yeah, also this dude's dead. But Which. Which I didn't want it to be because I like have so many feelings about this. Like when you're watching it, I'm just like, one, your friend is super dumb, and please let him get to you in time. Get to you in time. <laughs> I'm upset. I'm so upset about this. Go on. <laughs> you just need a moment. Verklempt. Mm-hmm. I feel like Corey though. At that point, when he fall, he falls and hits his head. Corey runs over to see if he's okay. And he's immediately like, oh, I'm so dizzy. Like he's feigning for attention. Like he wants to spend time with this guy. Mm-hmm. Which at the time, I wasn't sure if they were friends. I wasn't sure if this guy had had a relationship. Right. That brings us straight into gay ship number right. two. Yes. I shipped Corey. Corey, not Cole. <laughs> Sorry. I shipped Cole and Jonah so hard. Yeah, I, I would agree. They were super homo together. Irene, you're not seeing that either? No. Good grief. These are just best friends. Like, I mean, it, not everybody is gay. No, everybody's not gay, but these people are. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No. Um, I had a feeling that they were friends when he was picking on them in the beginning. So then... Yeah, they're friends, but, I mean, you jump forward. When they're in the library, and they're about to get caught and get in trouble, and they're sharing that moment of what they're going to do, I thought they were going to kiss. There's so much intimacy between them. I was like, oh my God, he's going to smack that boy's mouth. Let's talk about being in other countries. And then they get outside, though, and they're they're messing around, around. and then they end up, oh, we fell on top of each other, and they have that long, protracted pause. I would agree. I'm like, very awkward. They both have boners. I don't think so. I think that we're used to growing up in a society where dudes are not allowed to be affectionate with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe... In Australia, it's maybe, not quite that Maybe way. it's not. I know in India, boys hold hands, and it's not even a thing. That's true, but I think that... Um, I'm not alone in this, though. Uh, in one of the interviews that I read with the director, uh, Nicholas Verso, he was asked about these two guys, about their ship. He said... Uh, his answer to that, he, he was asked if that was intentional, and he said that it was a big thing for him because he thinks guys get caught up in a fear of their own emotions towards other guys. And he said many straight men are afraid of being gay. Uh, and with him, being gay and straight work better as adjectives than nouns. So you might be in a gay relationship or have gay feelings towards someone, but you haven't changed yourself 
because then you don't change. It's just your relationship with people. And so he said you've got straight feelings towards this person and gay feelings towards someone else. So he didn't really answer the damn question. He muddied it up and kind of avoided it a bit. But I think what he's saying there is a little mixture of what you're saying, Irene. That can't people be kind of intimate without it being gay? So he wanted to overcome that. But right. then then he went on and made the shippers happy by saying, "Right, maybe you're straight, but you got them gay feelings, and that don't make you gay." Maybe he, uh, okay. So that's his opinion. What is your opinion on that? Can you be straight with gay feelings? Hmm. I, hmm. <laughs> Alan. Um, so there are dudes that identify as straight and super macho, and they hook up with each other, and right. they don't. Identify as gay. As gay. And they actually consider themselves straight. For for real. And so I think that... that Because they're not attracted to men. They're just doing a physical thing with men. No, they're attracted... See, from what I've read, they're attracted to the macho-ness of this other... I guess of this other dude. But... Honey, that's gay. I'm just saying what I've read. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it. But I'm also not them. Um, but I think I've been in situations, like, my whole life, being somebody who identifies as bi, um, there are times that I definitely thought, I'm straight, but I got these gay feelings towards someone else. So, I don't know. That's like coming back to the spectrum, if the you spectrum. will. Everybody can kind of travel along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Also, there are exceptions. There are people that, um, one person that you're attracted to, does that make you gay? Maybe? No? You've liked men your whole life, but then you met that that one woman that made made you gay. Then you're gay. But I don't feel like your past history informs on what your sexuality is today. But then, what if you never dated another woman after that person? I don't know. Are you into women or not? Uh, this is a hypothetical. I don't know where this is going. So maybe <laughs> we should cut this out. No, I think this is really interesting. It? I think I this know. is an interesting topic. What do you think, Alan? I think it's whatever you make it. I mean. If you don't think you're gay, but you do things that other people think are gay, is it in the eye of the beholder or is it in the eye of the self? I mean, So you're on the side of people should be able to define their sexuality however they want to, yes. exclusive of their actions. I agree sure. with that one. Hmm. I mean, I'll, to some degree, I, I can see the nobility of that. But also, to some degree, I see that in some cases could also just be people aren't ready to deal with something, but that doesn't make it any less true. But you don't know their story, so you can't just judge them by that. That's right? true. I feel like oh, someone's, that's a good point. someone's gay identity should be determined by themselves. Right. Also, not, the, not the community at I've large. done a lot of straight things. And... I mean, that's not to say that I might not think somebody is gay because of their actions, but that doesn't mean that they are. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. that's where I'm coming from with that. Sure, because I would see that more as like bisexuality or pansexuality. If you like have an interest, like even if you are attracted to being in a relationship with a gender that's different than yours, but you're attracted into having sex with a gender that's similar than yours, I still see that as more of a pansexuality or bisexuality situation. I mean, by definition, but that person might not feel that way. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so interesting, I'm really interesting yeah. uh, to what the listeners think. Uh, this is a great topic. Uh, fill us in, educate us on what your opinions are. Uh, you can do that on our blog, streamingunicornpodcast.com, or through our social media, Twitter. And it's hard to do that on Instagram. I guess you could take a picture that emotes your feelings about this. Sure. On that note, I think it's a good time to take a break. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this short pause. Streaming Unicorn Podcast is sponsored by the best sponsor around. Spoiler alert, it's you. This podcast is a labor of love for us, and if you like what you hear and want to give something back, all we ask is that you get involved. Send us your reviews, suggestions, and love to comments at streamingunicornpodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for bonus content. And we'll link you to all those things around through our website at streamingunicornpodcast.com. Most importantly, spread the word about this podcast. Share with your friends and don't forget to rate and review us. This all helps us to bring others into the fold of movie-loving queers. So, thank you! The second half of this episode includes discussion of sexual assault and trauma. Some listeners may be triggered and should listen with care. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks, uh for listening to our first half. Now we're going to jump back into the maelstrom that is our comments of this show. <laughs> it's been an interesting It's the go. maelstrom? I know, we got so deep. We're either going to get a lot of interesting mail or a lot of hate mail over there. I'm not sure which. Mm, both.
Probably both. Probably. <laughs> we welcome all comments. Do we? Well, no. But I think if this movie taught us anything, it's don't be a bully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bullies suck. So um, I'd like to go straight into uh, more things that makes Django gay. Are you ready? Do it. If there's a list? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. So this movie keeps jumping back to show, you know, the bully squad because there's no real reason for them to be through the second act of this movie. They're important in the first act. They're somewhat important in the third act. But in the second act, there's no point for them. But we don't want to forget about them, so they just keep jumping back and they're like, oh, they're going down the streets with some fireworks or More whatever montages. it is they're doing. More montages of the bully squad. Um, but when the first time we go back and they're still at that fireplace, Blondie Bear is watching that dude and that girl make out. And he is getting pissed. He's like, what is this heteronormative bullshit? And he finally, he can't stand it anymore. He's thinking about his little boyfriend, Colum. What's his name? Corey. Corey. Gollum? <laughs> I said Colum. Oh, excuse me. This is, they have names like that in Australia. Colum. Colum. <laughs> so he's thinking about his little boyfriend, Corey. I, every time I say that name, I think of Corey's in the house. Is that, is that what you think of? <laughs> That's what I think of. <laughs> then why, why do you keep calling him Cole? I don't know. He's Oaking Cole. Because <laughs> I'd like to call for his pipe, apparently. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, so, Blondie Bear is thinking about his boyfriend, Corey. He's watching these straighties make out, and he gets real pissed. And he's like, come on, we're going to go find him. He can't stand it. No. Because he's gay. I agree. I, 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 I agree with that assessment. I mean, he clearly longs for his company. I mean, you don't see him doing that with anyone else in his posse. No, because this dude is his beta. This is boy. It's the alpha and a beta. He wants him to be his beta. Yeah, he does. Or he maybe wants to it's omega. He wants him to be something else that starts with a B. What, what's his the, bottom? Is it omega? I don't know. <laughs> They're his number two. That's his, that's yeah. his number two. He wants to... Spend some time with number two. <laughs> He's not gay. He's a big old douchebag. I'm presenting all this evidence. I know. I would like to hear your list. I can't give it all at once. Why? I thought you were just going to go down the list. How else are we going to talk about this six more times in this show? <laughs> oh, my God. Although, this, one of the, this was my second favorite quote in this movie. It's when one of the people says, When did someone put a straw up your ass and suck out all the fun? Yes. I was like, <laughs> that ain't fun. <laughs> one that's not where a straw goes two what you got was not fun no 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 it's one of those things where you're like you know i shouldn't have to say this you always have to say it if you think that listeners don't put a straw in your ass no also don't let anybody blow any type of air inside of your body because you could get an embolism thank you dr reedy <laughs> i'm saying are you going to be doing free health screenings too <laughs> first you know two-thirds of this movie is really just a bleak view of puberty and coming of age it's just the sets the setting the words the people the way their faces look it's all like what, coming of age sucks uh, well yeah because you're you're full of emotions you're you're worried about your future do you rely on the things that you've constantly brought you comfort your routine do you stay with that forever? Is that going to change? What does that change mean? There's a part where Corey and Jonah are sitting outside that house, and Jonah tells that story of that man who basically... With the black mold? Yeah. Yeah. Asthma's going to take him out. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was just very telling. It, it's a real fear that I think a lot of teenagers have. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to become that person <clears throat> that has no future, and I just fall into this routine and I become nothing and I eventually just waste away in my home alone, possibly. Yeah, I think you're right in that. I think that's a big theme here is like the fear of the unknown that's across that threshold. And not just the fear of the being the person that crosses the threshold, but the fear of being left behind while other people move forward. Which is where Django kind of came in again. And gay. And gay. <laughs> I thought it was really odd that at this point Cole decides he's going to go to that convenience store and talk to that girl. 
and just leave his buddy outside. Cool. Right. Like, you just go inside. I'm going to be hanging out of here while you spend an hour and a half talking to that girl on the floor. Right. Also, also dead. Because you're not going to leave your friend out there. Right. That's another big sign that's like, what? He's dead? Well, what? I know. And then, like, part of me at that point was like, so all this time has this kid been a figment of his imagination? Oh, yeah. That he can just go in and leave him and not worry about him? Because he didn't seem concerned that his friend was waiting outside. Yeah, they didn't even have a cover story for why that would happen. Yeah, it was very strange. Right. Very odd. Meanwhile, Corey's in there talking to that girl, and I'm like, don't get your hopes up, honey. You ain't got what he's interested in. I think he was very helpful since she's like sucking that lollipop like it's... I know she was sucking that lollipop like crazy, but he's interested in Jonah. No. They just wrestled. They just had sparks in the library. I'm sorry, then why did he go in there and spend forever and leave his his boyfriend outside? I blame fucking heteronormativity. Or maybe he just liked the taste of some woman's saliva on a lollipop. Because <gasps> we haven't gotten to pop that up in his mouth. We haven't gotten to the point that made me real mad in this movie yet. We we're about to then. I thought it was also interesting because uh, this is when Blondie Bear comes in and they finally find him and they're like, buddy! And they, he thought, he, and he's like, we're going to do this awful thing to his mom's tombstone. And uh, he's like, I don't want to be cruel. And so Blondie Bear immediately jumps to, what are you, gay? Which again, I think tells us about how horribly repressed Blondie Bear is. He's so crazy about this dude that the, immediately, I mean, he's the one who said faggot earlier. He's the one who assumes that if you're not cruel, you're gay. I 100% agree with that, because that was actually one of the thoughts I had, was that a lot of people that have those feelings tend to throw it outwardly at other people, mm-hmm. you know, as if, like, this is how I feel inside, and now I'm going to make you, like, the target of my anxiety. Right. and when Corey walks off, he's like, Blondie Bear is so heartbroken, like, beyond, I, I'm, and I do get what you're saying, Irene, and I think that might be part of it. I, and I'd say, I would, I would hazard that Blondie Bear is telling himself that's what it is. Like, this is my beta, this is the person, who, this is my ride or die in this group. He's the one who's the most likely to be uh, like me, and so I'm upset about this. I would say that's probably what Blondie Bear's saying. But the reality is, he's not dealing with his gayness. The thing is, Blondie Bear is such an asshole. It's true. I can't even feel bad for him. You know, I'm like, that's right, Blondie. He doesn't love you. He loves Jonas. Jonah. The Jonas Brothers and Corey in the house. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want your damn wolf mask. He don't want your wolf mask. He wants some lamb skin. Oh, man. He's going to get them lamb chops. So then what did make me angry is what happens next. What he's supposed to do is he's supposed to go out in the parking lot, get Jonah, and declare his love for him. But he doesn't. What he does instead is he climbs a damn tree and screws a girl. That is a different movie. That's not a different movie. I felt like I was queer-baited. What? I was totally queer-baited through this, through this whole first part of this movie, and then suddenly he's in a room having sex with a girl. Do you watch all movies thinking that everyone is gay in them? No! I hardly ever do. Okay. I was just it was Their chemistry was really strong in this film. Well, but I also felt like their chemistry was also strong in this film because they clearly had the same idea and thought. The guy and the girl? Yeah. No. They both had dreams of getting out of this town and doing something that they loved. That's mutual interest, not chemistry. But they were sucking lollipops together, and you could tell they were somewhat attracted to each other. And then, of course, he went and had sex with her. Like, he wasn't thinking about Jonah. He was thinking about climbing that tree and having sex with that girl. I just didn't feel that. I feel like this whole time she was clearly interested in him, but he didn't want anything to do with her. He wasn't like... Well, boys are stupid. No, he boys wasn't... Boys are real stupid at that age. Well, boys, I know they're stupid, but Why are boys wasn't... boys in the tree? Because, you know, she makes that comment while they're in the store. Like, he shouldn't have been a boy in the why tree. Are boys so stupid he should have been a boy on his knees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? That's a different that? movie. I, was... I said he shouldn't have been boy in the tree. He should have been boy on his knees. And he should have ended up with Jonah. Well, you're just going to have to make your own movie. <laughs> you clearly have watched I was a real different mad. movie. Let me cast your mind back to that interview. The interview. They even asked him about it. And he, I'm not the only one who sees this not, shipping. And he was not clear. He left oh, I know. I'm just, sa- I'm just saying there's enough people that see this with me that that was right. asked in because an interview. Because I feel like that is something that we do. We project what we want to see onto things that are not there. I thought we were going to talk about your dating. Uh, <laughs> 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 <Damn>. <laughs> uh, 
Damn. Yeah. Well. When did we say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I couldn't I made, help it. I made bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I clearly had a different feeling about this than you guys did. I felt like he might have had an interest in both of them. I, I won't say that he wasn't gay for Jonah, but, but tell I also me, think he had... Describe for me at what point in this movie, before he climbs on a window and has sex with her, did he show an interest for this girl? When they're hanging out at the park together, and he like goes and sits next to her, away from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then he seems to be a little pissed when Django walks over and starts right. toking with her. Right, interrupts like, them. Like, this is my opportunity to be with this girl, and you're interrupting. Uh-huh. And then... Like when he said, told her he was looking for bitches to fuck? Mm -hmm. Right, because... Well, he that's only how, said that. Right, because dudes are stupid at a certain age. I know that we have dudes in the audience, and, and <clears throat> Alan is also here, but he knows. At a certain age, boys are stupid. And they say dumb things to uh. girls. Well, again, I feel like he was trying to reinforce what he had heard to fall in line and be one of those wolves of the pack. And he felt. Thank I you, mean, Ellen. As soon as, Thank you. As soon as he said it, he he immediately looked like, oh, that was really stupid of me to say because I really don't believe. It. I'm never going to get. He had in her that pants. on his face. Of course, she looked like you're a freaking idiot. She wasn't wrong. That's not how you get girls. And let me add that not only is the inside screwing the girl, or the girl screwing him, is more like what it seemed like. <laughs> she was the one leading that whole relationship. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do, bro. <laughs> Where's Jonah? He's outside. He's playing Sir. Probably crying track. because his boyfriend's up there with a girl. You know what? I would have brought a book if I was Jonah <laughs> through this whole movie. I would have left. I've like, be... been like, what? Don't you remember our time in the library? No, he's too busy like looking at that African-American man standing in the white suit playing death. He's out there that man looked good, too. He did. He, he did sure. look good. Yeah. He looked like he could lead a band. The, the other thing is I also don't understand why uh, Romney is even in... This movie, she's extra. I don't. I don't think she adds much of anything to it, other than maybe that desire for him to leave. I feel like she is a point of reason. Like the way I looked at her was, look, I'm somebody who did make a plan, and I do have a dream, and I'm going to do what I need to do to follow it. So I feel like she's like that example yeah. that he longs to be. Like I, that's what I really want. Hmm. She's kind of that symbol of that. Also, she's an anchor. Because the, the boys are in La La Land, playing their games, trying to get home in their fairy right. forest. And she's like, I've got a job. And she's like, guess what? <laughs> right. Guess what? Responsibility, also come and get it. That's a good point. That's something I missed. And I think you're both right. She is a, she is a strong example of all those responsibilities they're afraid of having. And she's just like, boys are slow. <laughs> boys gotta catch up. <laughs> and two, like, she is fast. Like, one night of hooking up and she's ready to U-Haul to Canada. Yeah. Oh, she might be gay. I know. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, what? Is she also a lesbian? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she was clearly bisexual. Clearly? <laughs> she was trying to U-Haul him to Canada, though, right? She was. Yeah. Alan, he, Alan's he, over here shaking he, his he, head. He, yeah. She yeah. was working on him. She's like, we can get out of here together. Well, oh, my God. He's going to meet other girls in Canada, girl. I'm just saying. Yeah, he is. And possibly other boys. Oh, but his fate was not. I was hoping you weren't going to say it. I know. That's exactly why I said it. <laughs> I was like, come on, Brick. Also, it was gross because they were laying in that bed super close to each other's faces, and I know what both their breath smells like. Lollipops. Lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Lollipops and ass. I was like, fancy a mint? <laughs> the whole time they were talking, I was just going, oh. Y'all need to y'all need to brush your teeth or something. And get back in bed. Uh, <laughs> so Cole gets up out of this room finally. Corey. Corey. <laughs> Say it with us. Corey. Corey. So Corey. Corey. So Corey gets up out of this room finally, slips out, and he's like, "Oh man, where's my buddy?" And that's when I feel like somehow they found some way to slip everybody watching this movie mescaline. <laughs> As we proceed into Spain. As we proceed into the strangest shit ever for the rest of this movie. Like, suddenly, Cole's dead and Latino? Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was really bizarre how he just kind of stumbles into a Day of the Dead ceremony. Right. With, with magically, of Cole. A, yeah. uh, Corey. Jonah. 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 One of them. Everyone. No. All of them. 
one of them. Elliot. With Elliot. black and white pictures of Jonah. It was very bizarre. Like, okay, if he just died, how did they have a picture? Is this all, like, in their head? Is this a dream? Is this real? I don't know, but... How much of it is real? But death singing, was it lightning crashes? Or yes. was it I Alone? I don't lightning crashes. Some live song. Oh, man. Was amazing. I was like... That was deep, spiritual, moving. Up. That was, it was awesome. Really good. I was trying to figure out the whole purpose of the one woman in the corner that just kind of kept staring at him. I'm like, okay, what is her deal? And then they never really say anything and about man, it. Man, she looks so cool. Everybody right. at that thing looked awesome. Oh, yeah. The art but I don't understand cool. the choice of being Day of the Dead. Because it's um, Latino Halloween, I guess? Yeah, but what? Maybe they celebrate that in Australia. What too. does this got to do with that? Anything in this movie got to do with being Latino. It'd be unless awesome he, if it did. Unless he was. Maybe he was, and we just we're just assuming because I mean, he's wearing face paint the whole time, so we don't actually really see him much. I'd feel much better if he was. I don't know. Maybe you should ask the director. You know, the one that told you that everyone was gay. <laughs> Maybe you should ask Jesus for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's funny in hell. All I know is that <laughs> Gulliver McGrath does not look Hispanic in any way, shape, form, or fashion. No. He kind of looks like the Gerber baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor kid. Aw. And then all of a sudden, oh, great, there's Jonah. They go running off. The shadows are chasing them. I don't yeah, know if anybody's like, played that game Alan Wake, but it was very much like that. Oh, well, yeah. And I was thinking of Ghost when those little shadows come oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the, then the stupidest thing in the whole movie happens other than that he's not gay, he says, we need more light. So he pops a smoke bomb. <laughs> no. Like, what? I was like, that didn't cast you no light. That's not no. a light, son. It's, it's going to give you asthma. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to give you some smoke cover. You're going to end up in the in the, dark. in the emergency room getting a breathing treatment next to that guy from that story with the black mold. Oh, but then you get your first clue of what happened to Jonah because then he just suddenly starts vomiting water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the forest for no reason. So you're like, oh. So clearly... If I'm thinking back to that moment where he drops his alcohol on the shores of a little pond, he probably fell in and drowned. You know, I gotta say that I'm ashamed to admit that at that point I, I didn't piece that together. I thought that he was just real shitty at acting drunk this whole time. <laughs> and he finally just threw up that Jack Daniels. Oh my god! I was like, this actor sucks. Finally, the drug takes full effect and we get to the high point of the trip with that fucking tree. <laughs> the tree of life. The tree of life, of memories... Like, let's go up in this tree and there's a baseball glove. It's so weird. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was visually <laughs> interesting. Visually interesting, but what the hell? Why is this happening? Because he's dead. It's the tree no, of their life together. All their memories. No, it's their, their pretend world. Did he slip into the other world suddenly? Is that why everything's alive? And I think they fell into their memories together, and their memories were represented by the tree whose branches all intertwine. With you know their life together when they were kids and they were true friends and they hung out and did everything together and they played their little kakitis game whatever the hell kakitis means because they kept saying kakitis yeah they did and it's kind of like, fun to say kakitis say it with us everybody kakitis okay now everybody at home too kakitis but I mean the, that whole tree scene was just them reliving their childhood through their memories basically I just don't feel like it had anything to do with what they set up this world to be previously in the film the film was very straightforward it was very literal and then suddenly call me crazy Irene but it happened right after he had sex with that girl suddenly everything goes crazy I felt like maybe honestly that Jonah felt like okay well there's nothing really tying me to this world again we've confirmed that he wants to be with this girl in our friendship or whatever. And so he's gotten even closer to death there and he's given up the ghost. I don't know. I feel like they got closer after a while. And the closer that they got, the more the world became real. But I think that they got closer as friends, not necessarily as anything else. Well, because they're not because gay. Because they're not gay. Oh. Et tu, Brute? <laughs> Alan? I, I, you don't I, think they're gay either? I had... I, I after our discussion of you know they can do queer things and not necessarily be gay, or just have affection for another person and not. Be I gay. feel like they just had a very close relationship. There's a difference in affection and sparks, but I think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that point. You had you had sparks. I had I shipped them so hard. I know, and that's real cute. But just because they were probably on Tumblr together doesn't mean that that's real. It doesn't mean it's not real. Okay, I'm what sorry. is that Japanese art form? Were you like hentai? Yuri? Nowie? <laughs> Nowie? 
whatever that your, thing is your that Irene's trying to not You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know yeah. What it is. Yowie. Is it Yowie? Or I think Gurney? it's Yowie or something like that. You should draw a picture of your <laughs> Shut up! Hard, <laughs> and you should put it at streamingunicornpodcast.com. <laughs> I'm just saying. I will. That'll be our bonus content. That I'll draw. Content. I'll draw my ship. You should draw your ship. I want to see this as it sails off into the sunset yeah, it's, it's of heteronormativity. And you're and you're going to see burning trees to the side of it. Right. Because she's like, fuck that tree. Fuck the tree. No, oh, I hate that tree. Okay. But, but then you also learn the truth. Oh man, and that was hard. Past. That was so harsh. That the truth of their past. It made me dislike Corey a lot more. So what happens is it flashes back to. When Halloween, probably in the 80s, besties going out in their little costumes and they get jumped by a couple of guys in, uh, what is it, like a like a pipe? Like a big pipe, a by ditch. A big pipe. And Jonah is sexually assaulted and his, his best friend um, just leaves him there. Corey's his best friend. Not Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I get it right once. Right. And so um, my feelings on this... Is one, I think everybody knew know, knows about it, and that's why they call him faggot. Mm-hmm. And and I also think that's why Blondie Bear is so against him because Blondie Bear is in denial about his own sexuality. Right, but I think it's even crueler to say that someone who is sexually assaulted absolutely is you know. So I feel so it's so upsetting. It um, really was, got, the, and the way they portrayed it. It was just so uh, visceral, and it was really hard to watch. Yeah, and his he watches his best friend leave, and then he feels so bad about it that he completely just rejects his friend. Like that's when they stop being friends. Like he, well, yeah, Corey feels so bad about it that he rejects Jonah. Yes, because it shows them the next day at school, and Jonah's like, "Hey, what's up?" And Corey just ignores him. Yeah, like he can't come to face the horrible thing that he left. To happen. And he even tries to change the narrative. Yeah, he rewrites the story. He tries to rewrite the story to try to make, I guess, to make it better of, like, what should have happened to ghost Jonah. But I think that's where I get all this sexuality stuff is where I'm like, no, nobody's gay. I think my thoughts were centered around how the bullying is. It's not it's not gay. They just know what happened to him. And they're using that to beat him down even more. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think it could also be both. Maybe. Now... Thinking on the other side of my thoughts earlier, to kind of support what Brooke feels about shipping their relationship, what if they were kind of gay, younger, like if they were... Exploring that, yeah. And that's why they became a target of those kids. Right, that's what I thought. Because I, I unfortunately, sometimes it's the queer kids that are targeted for that level of brutality. Correct. So, I mean, I saw that as, as maybe why they were targeted and... And I don't know if you noticed, their eyes were kind of brown, like they were not, like they were kind of saying these are wolves. Because mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sometimes you'll associate that with like a werewolf or something from mm-hmm. a horror movie. Um, somebody with like a glowing brown eye or a glowing gold yeah. eye. So I mean, it was kind of also bringing out that whole lamb versus wolf thing. You know, like oh, here's some weak lambs. Maybe they think oh, they're gay for each other. Let's give them a reason to be gay, and so they sexually assault them. Like if they already yeah. like it already. And considering what I already thought about, and through this whole film, it was it was just devastating to watch that. It was, it was one of those definitely one of those moments where I paused it and was just like, I got to breathe a minute. Yeah, it was it was pretty. Like you said, it was very visceral. One of the people assaulting him had blonde hair, and I wondered if that was Jenga, which would make the whole thing even more foul. If Corey's rejected Jonah, and then he's hanging out with the person who assaulted him, right? Like so that so that he wasn't assaulted. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I I I kind of thought about that, but I wasn't. They never confirmed yeah. it, but yeah. he definitely had blonde hair, and he was definitely an asshole, which are the only two things we really know about Django. Right. right. <laughs> That's true. That made me very emotional. Like, the end of the movie, I felt, was really good and had lots of emotional moments. Ellen, you wanted to talk about the, the lamb-wolf thing. You'd mentioned that when you were introducing who the characters were. From the very beginning of the show, you see the pack is a bunch of wolves. You know, you associate packs with wolves. Django is clearly the alpha. And then, of course, he's trying to keep Cody as his beta, and he makes him wear a wolf mask Cody? at Halloween. <laughs> you mean Corey? Corey. Oh, God. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't cold. I've laid eggs in your brain. <laughs> you have. They're, they're <laughs> twisting my thoughts. So, yes, Corey 
is wearing the wolf mask through the whole thing. And I, don't, I can't remember if it was in Jonah's room, I think, when you when they're throwing the dead bird at his window, there's a mask <clears> on the wall that's like a lamb. It looks like a little yes. lamb puppet. So that's kind of like hinting that he's the lamb. Yeah, and I thought most people's roles were really clear. But for me, I don't know about Corey. That's one of the questions I came back from. Because in this they say... You're either a, a, a wolf or a sheep, and I don't think he's either one of those. And then Jonah says something about being a god, and I don't think he's a god either, but mm-hmm. I don't know where he falls in that. I, I think... Well, that's why and maybe I said that's the, the hybrid. Answer. That's why I was kind of like he's like a sheep wolf hybrid because yeah. he's like a mixture of the two. Well, I wonder if the answer is it's not that simple. It's not that cut and dry. Right. It's not black and white. You're not that's part of becoming an adult is understanding that sometimes you're the wolf, sometimes you're the lamb. So ultimately, that that was one of the big things I got from this movie that that was making me think was, are you the person that you were or are you the person that you chose to be to survive? And I think that's something that Corey has to answer for himself, you know? Is he the person he was before when he was friends with Jonah? Is, Is he the person he was when he fled that scene? Is he the person he was when he had to survive and by doing that, got in with this wolf group, defining who you are, especially when something traumatic happens. And I know traumatic things happen to Jonah, but it was also traumatic for Corey. So is he, when, when traumatic things happen to people, are they the person that they become to survive that or that they, they become to adapt to that? Or are they a person beyond that? And I think that's a hard question to answer. And each individual has to answer that for themselves. And that's one of the things I think that for me was one of the deepest things about this movie and one of the things... It's something that I left it thinking, like, what is the answer to that question, even for myself? Did I lay all that heavy shit on you? You did. That was. You got none. I don't know. That was good. I mean, I feel like everybody kind of has to be what they have to be to survive a situation. Uh It's very situational. Right. I mean, there are some people, I suppose, that can just be themselves, whoever, whatever, but... I don't know. If you're in the right situation, you might have to become somebody else. That's true. But that doesn't have to define you. That doesn't have to be who you are. Correct. That's true. Well, what do you all think? Do you think, maybe this can be my new what if, what if he didn't fall in the water and he actually committed suicide? They kind of leave it up to your, your own imagination I really thought what happened. Early in the film, when he was getting drunk, I really thought that's what was going to happen. Um, I think they talk about it at the end, though, that it was that he fell. That he slipped and, fell, slipped and, and fell and hit his head on a rock. Mm-hmm. Which would but, be a poor way to try to commit suicide, but I don't think it rules out that that was part of what he might do, and then he just had a mishap. Maybe true. he was going to commit suicide in some other way, but that was, that was a, I felt like a strong tone mm-hmm. of that whole scene where he was getting drunk and upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a lot for anybody to deal with. You know, this person that was once your friend is throwing dead birds at your house and joining in with this wolf pack that hates you and ridicules you and puts your and face all over. And took the picture that they... Put up all over town. So, I mean, that's a lot to deal with. A total betrayal like that. The only person that you thought you could relate to in this world of yours. Jeez, now I'm emo too. Mm. After all this. <laughs> it is 1997. It is 1997 again. But then, of course, you know, Corey finds out what's happened and he is, you know, visibly distraught. Yeah. Hor- feels horrible. This person that he had, sh- had been his best friend and and now he had shunned for so long and finally was reconnecting with, finds out he's dead. I know. I mean... Th- and that was extremely and good acting. I'm getting and, goosebumps and thinking about it. it. The, and the acting on that part was so good for such oh. a young actor. Yeah. And then okay. Blondie Bear shows up and he's not an asshole. He actually kind of strangely kind of... He looks confused. He looks confused. Like, I don't know what to do. I only have one setting and now I have to do this other setting. Right. But he still tried to comfort him. Yeah. I felt well, like he was like, okay, I've been like pursuing him all this time. And now he's like coming to me for comfort. Oh, shit. Well, now what do I do? Right. Like, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what point. to do. Well, he did. After he got punched in the face or roughed up or whatever at the convenience store, he went home and threw a fit. You know? Yeah. No, well, and true. so he's like, oh, I've lost my best friend <clears throat> or person, whatever. Bro. Lover. His lover. Yeah. And so I think it was telling that the guys in the background on the bikes <clears throat> um, was kind of looking at them like, like ah. They were clearly separate. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, huh. How? How, did how my, do we proceed with this? How did our pack leader suddenly become caring and comforting? <laughs> this isn't how this works. Uh, I mean, I actually local. think I might have cried a little bit at that point because it was just so it was intense. So, it was so intense. Yeah. But then they kind of move forward past that point and we see 
you know, Romney off in Canada doing her thing, and he has gone to New York. Corey has gone to New York. Yeah, which is what he should do, not you haul to Canada. Right. Right. So they both ended up following their dreams. You see Corey walking around in his little Halloween outfit. You don't realize that's what it is at first. You're kind of like, why is he dressed like the Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> <laughs> but then he goes and he pulls the mask that Jonah was wearing, you know, while they were having their little stroll down memory lane at a Halloween. And uh, you, you know at that point, oh, he apparently is going to a Day of the Dead celebration or something. Yeah, and he's got that giant picture of Jonah up on the wall. Yeah. About that mask, though, Jonah did die in that thing. Like, I get that it's sweet, but that's also gross. <laughs> <laughs> like It had dead cold flesh against it. It really did. It, he just laid in the water with that mask on his face. And now he's just like, I must wear this I'm out of penance. I'm sure they have Lysol. Gross. Or something. No. <laughs> gross. I'm not wearing. I'm sorry. Alan, I love you. Don't ever die with a mask on and expect me to wear it. I am going to die with a mask on just so you will have... I'll even have it in my yes. will that Brooke needs to wear this Brooke, mask. Brooke you just low down no good, dirty. Because <laughs> <laughs> you love me and you know you'd wear it if I asked you to. I know I would. And that's why I don't have anything to say. I'm so mad about it. So let's move on to our ratings. Irene, why don't you start? I give it a four out of five because I thought it was really well done and amazing. And I enjoyed it a lot. I give it... What do you give it, Irene? Don't look at me when you're trying to give pride flags I, I for its never. level of queerness. I would never. Because you know what I'm giving it. I know. 17. Pride <laughs> Go on. flags. Um, I, hmm. You just didn't think about this before today? <laughs> no, I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a really cool, it was not a queer movie to me. Um, I, I give it zero pride flags. Wow. It was not. It was not gay to me. Um, I would say uh, I gave it a four, uh, four stars for enjoyment. I really enjoyed it. I think I might have interpreted it a little bit differently than one or both of you. I will say for the pride flags, I gave it a four because I felt like there was a lot of ambiguity that would lead you to believe there's a lot of queerness. I mean, clearly this whole show, we've discussed various different points of view on that subject, which I think is kind of indicative of our culture. I mean, nobody views being gay or being straight the same way. I mean, there's so much ambiguity. Everybody has to kind of define it for themselves. Brooke, what do you think? That was beautiful, Alan. Thank you. It was. Um, I felt like this was almost two movies. It's the the pre-Day of the Dead celebration and the post-Day of the Dead celebration. And I felt like it telegraphed the end really early. Some of the symbolic imagery wasn't that clear. And that we all interpreted something different. It can be read two ways. You know, it could be read that the director left this open enough for us all to have kind of different experiences and, and tailor it to our own lives. Or it could just be sloppy filmmaking where there wasn't enough information given. That said, I did enjoy it. It was too long and drawn out in some places. I gave it three out of five stars so i'm one less star than both of you is it because you watched it on a plane i don't think so it could be huh. but i doubt it <laughs> uh, as far as uh, how queer it is i'd give this one a strong three stars for a great uh, coming of age queer story but it wasn't one in the end <laughs> It, for me, just turned out to be some queer baiting. Although I do still feel strongly that at least the Django section is, there's there's some there's some legs to that. So it's getting uh, one pride flag for me for that. I, I will say, I feel like it's a very, to have, I took it as an interpretation of art that so many people can have so many different interpretations of it. Because mm -hmm. I think good art does that. It provokes all these different emotions and thoughts very personal to every person that watches it or looks at it so yeah and reading the interview with the director i feel like that was his goal ultimately because he dodged some important questions or just reverted to talking about how, what it was like for him to grow up in the 90s so <laughs> i think that that's very possible oh, one other thing i wanted to comment on that the music while all the songs were interesting i felt it was very appropriate like when they used it like when they're being very angsty you know they're playing very strong music you know that's mm -hmm. You know, very violent, and you know that's kind of like indicative of youth. You know, your like your emotions and your hormones are going all over the place, and I felt like the music represented that. And then you had like a little bit calmer stuff, you know, when it needed to be. But most of the film was just like teenage angst through music. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. So I, I have to comment right. on that. And I think that most of them were covers. I don't think there's anything that I recognize from the actual band that did it originally in the 90s. So I thought that that was cool to be able to change um, the music in that way. All right. Speaking of music, let's cue ours and close out the show, Alan. All right.
Well, that's it for this week's episode. Please review and rate this podcast, and if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. Join us on our next episode when we'll be reviewing Gerald's Game. Watch it with us this week on Netflix and send your reviews to us at streamingunicornpodcast.com. If you want to see and review a particular movie, you can send your suggestions to that address as well. Streaming Unicorn Podcast is produced in cooperation with Stealth Pickles Productions and is copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Partial logo design provided by Wink Images on freepick.com and theme music created by Brooke. Check out our website, streamingunicornpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for bonus content. Until next time, this is Brooke, Irene, and Alan saying, Bow your head, raise the dead. Fuck knuckle? Fuck knuckle? Everybody wants some s'mores?